Welcome to episode six of the Living Learning Leading podcast. I'm your host, James Meston. Very special episode today, which came from two visits to Tennyson Woods Catholic School in Richmond. On day one, I spent time talking with acting principal Peter Mercer, year two teacher Sarah Byrne, and year six teacher Heather Doherty. And then on day two, I was chatting with students from each of those teachers' classes, Minnie and Leo from year two, and Ilya, Hudson, and Olivia from year six. And I have to say, their insights are pretty remarkable, and I'm not just spruiking the episode. Trust me, it's pretty incredible, a very, very authentic example of effective transfer learning around the framework. You'll be hearing from those students later in this episode. But first, I arrived at Tennyson Woods on day one and did a bit of a walk around the classrooms at lunchtime with Peter and immediately noticed the big and detailed living, learning, leading display on the wall of the year six classroom. I'm intrigued, like over here with the living, learning, leading yeah. stuff is, um, I see here you've got the, you know, all the big, um, the, the, the normal uh, diagram here with, you know, the seven pieces of the pie and all that particular stuff. But all of the stuff here to do with the continua, you've also got that up as well. Do the students refer to this? Is this something that's, I, I know we'll probably go into this, but um, uh, the fact that they're all kind of up here. Um, shows that it's kind of a classroom resource in a way. Yeah, so the children have looked at that and, and Heather works through that with them. Yeah, the children are certainly very aware of it. Um, and in our awards and things like that we do for students, it's about those particular areas. Um, and we have the, we, we use character strengths as well, which draw out of, we draw out of there as well, which um, we issue certificates on. I was having a conversation with, um, I was at uh, Gleason yesterday having a conversation with uh, uh, with uh, Kate and Tom out there. And uh, we were talking a lot about the whole idea of um, language of learning equaling outcomes of learning. Mm. So um, the whole idea now that the students are being given this language in which to actually talk about their own learning, that it actually creates its own set of outcomes um, more in line with um, th this whole idea around this particular framework and these capabilities. Absolutely. And we need to be naming, using that language all the time with children because they can they can do it that way they're more involved in that learning uh, that process so that they're picking up on whatever it is whatever subject area it is that language is common across all of them mm. uh, it's about the way we live our lives the way we we actually do our learning um it ties in with the visible learning that we're all doing mm. um lots of inter interconnections there that we use so um has there been anything that's kind of surprised you about the implementation of this uh, particular framework, the kind of language that's actually been brought out that at the time you might have initially kind of thought, oh, that's an interesting thing to bring forward, but the students have still jumped at it? If anything, it's about the way children have accepted it and we as teachers have thought, no, they wouldn't understand all of that. Right. And they actually do. So it's their grasp of it that we've taken for granted before that, well, they, they're not going to understand that. Well, I'm just going to teach my old way, mm -hmm. but here's a whole new way because it shakes us up a bit with our teaching. We have to do things a bit differently and we have to engage kids in that learning rather than us teaching from top down. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important that we, we do that. Children know about their learning. They need to know about it. It just changes everything for us. It changes the ball game mm. for uh, all of our kids um, because they have a say in what they're doing. Whereas previously, the teacher was saying what was happening. Now we can say to the kids, well, what do you think? What do we need to learn? What are the things? What are the skills that you need mm. uh, for the future? You may not necessarily know them yet. So there might be things that I direct a little bit. But in the main, kids can come up with things. We as adults tend to think they can't do that, mm. and they can. We need to give them a lot more credit for their abilities and their skills than what we uh, acknowledge at the moment or have in the past. 
there we were joined by Sarah and Heather in a fantastic space, part of their new multi-purpose building at the school, which I was told was very soon to be installed with a green screen. Very cool. I started by asking Heather about the framework display I'd seen in the year six classroom. Now I've seen that all the living learning leading framework stuff is up there, as well as all of the different elements of the continua, although all out there. Can you explain a little bit about how you've been using the continua actually in a, in a class setting and how the kids have kind of taken to it? Sure, um, I reckon we sort of decided because our saying for this year is we show love in all things as we live, learn and lead. I didn't want that language to be, you know, not available to the kids or being unpacked with the kids. So I thought, why not go straight to the source? Because the letter is addressed to the kids. Therefore, we unpacked a lot of the verbs in the letter that's written. So what does that mean for them? And then they felt a little bit more like it was written for them. So then we um, decided to break off into small groups and the kids tracked what they definitely were doing, what they thought they were doing, and where they thought we were sitting as a five, six unit. Mm -hmm. So sort of capturing their time at Tennyson and then where they're at now. And then sort of feeding back to me, then from there the next lesson was, um, what three things, what three pieces of evidence do you have to prove that we have reached that particular okay, spot? Right. So we did that on one note, they put the PDF in there, and as groups they became sort of experts in one of the strands. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that the, the letter was, because um, uh, all of the other resources were delivered to um, educators, principals, and all the rest of it, mm. the fact that the continuer was actually addressed to the students yeah. when the letter actually came with it saying, you know, dear students, yeah. this, is, this is what this is, this is for you. Yeah. How powerful do you think it was that that was the strategy that was undertaken um, from Neil and Nikki? I think that was really clever. I think that putting the word I into the vocabulary spins it round. We always focus on identity first for children. And I know Tennyson have a huge focus on character strengths and being who you are, positive relationships. And you, you hook them in straight away by saying I am or I can. So it takes ownership. They're very much about setting their own goals and trying to move to the next phase. And that comes into the visible learning they've been doing as well. So mm. it's a really good self-reflection for them and like a tool that they can use. Yeah. So every school setting is, is a different setting. You know, every school has their own unique identity. It has their own charism and it has their own, you know, every cohort of every year is always a little bit different in, yeah. in some ways. What have you found has been the things that um, when you had a look at the, the key capabilities, you had a look at the continua, what were the things that you found you went, this is going to have to be um, adapted in this specific way for my particular class in this particular school? Um, complex question, but I think... Uh, mainly the moral, compassionate, ecologically aware. I think that there were things in place, but the kids were like, oh, we kind of used to do that, but it's kind of fallen by the wayside, like for rubbish, for example. Mm -hmm. So identifying it was it enabled them to make action about it. So where where's your evidence in showing that you're morally compassionate and aware of the environment? So I think that's when we started leadership groups this year where the kids have had an initiative on Green Team and World Defenders. So they've had the opportunity to bring to life that component. Has there been any challenges in, in implementing this that you perhaps didn't foresee going in? I don't think there was challenges, but I think it was more, we have a huge culture of feedback here. And due to the visible learning we do, it's a culture of not only myself giving the kids feedback, them, them to each other, but them back to me. And they now feel by third term that it's okay to give me feedback. So when we were tracking, we noticed the gaps. We were really strong now in moral um, 
compass, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're really good at the spiritually aware. But when it came to the cultural stuff, we felt maybe we really do need to unpack the kids' backgrounds and celebrating who they are, just like they're you know going back in generations. So yeah. it really gave me that feedback and guidance towards, look, we talk about it, but the evidence is you know, something that could be worked on. Did you find, I was having this conversation the other day with somebody and we were talking about the nature of the continuer potentially looking very hierarchical, going from like almost sort of like a level of one to five almost. So it looks like it's a matter of going, uh, if I'm at a five, that means I'm really good. And if I'm at a one, that means that in in that way. Have you found that that's been something that's been uh, anything that the students have referred, especially I guess in the senior levels where their sense of kind of like their competition and and, and accomplishment go up, has there been a problem with them like identifying themselves as higher on the continua in some areas and lower in the others? Like what's been the, the feeling around that? I feel that maybe we kind of have worked really hard towards us being a team and being, you know, um, together we, we embrace and support each other in our identities. So in order for us to achieve, you know, what you consider level five, then maybe it's not about achieving that, but it's about working towards making progress. So sometimes I think that they won't reach some of those until they're past my year level and in another mm. school, but we've made those fundamental steps towards reaching that. Do you know what I mean? So sort of yeah. they may be higher in one part because that school embraces that particular element whereas other ones might take a little bit longer it's based on what they're exposed to and what what you have you know the capability to sort of nourish in them in a way so you're saying the culture really is about the work in progress idea it's like the idea of moving forward rather than having to get to the end as long as you're moving forward you know progress is progress So, Sarah, what year levels are, are you working with mainly? I'm year two. Okay, so a, a different end of the spectrum. Different end of the spectrum. So I talked to Heather and listened to what she was doing and thought about how that would look in a junior primary classroom. Mm-hmm. So we did the same thing. I read the letter. We talked about how important that was that Dr. McGoran was interested in us and how we were going to continue and grow. And then I looked at the moral wisdom ecological one that first because we just finished a unit of work and I did it a bit more didactically. The children all had a copy and we sat and we read each each statement and we unpacked it and we gave some examples and then they ticked it if they felt they could do it. Mm. And so I came to one group and it was, um, I can, the example was, I can um, include people and make sure we all play fairly. And I have a little group of people who are needing some support at the moment in the playground. I said, yeah, I really think you can tick that at the moment. And they went, no. I said, but you will. You're working towards it. And I think that's what Heather was saying about Mm. we have a culture at our school of you're not there yet. So there's no race in year two. They can see that they're not going to be at the end by the end of the year. They know this is a progress. This is a progression as we go through our school life. Uh, Lovely. I I would really love to break that open a little bit more about creating a culture of that, of we're not there yet. Because that, I mean, it's all well and good to say that, but that's actually not something that's just achieved just by chance, is it? That's something that's very intentional. And I think that in looking at the continua and seeing it not as some sort of like hierarchical race to the end, Mm. actually looking at it as it's, it's about the journey, not the destination in a lot of ways. How would you advise a school that maybe um, isn't as far along the continuer on that we're not there yet idea um, towards trying to, um, to to work that into the school's culture a bit more. That's a really 
complex question as well and it's taken us years we started off with we're not there yet the growth mindset we talk about being in the learning pit where you have trouble what strategies are you going to use to get out and you come out the other side and you know a bit more that's a big ingrained culture at our school mm-hmm. and then over the last two years been using visible learning where you're not there yet is also a great thing you have a learning intention this is what I'm learning this is how I'm going to get there with the success criteria and then Heather and I have introduced this year bump it up wall so there's even examples for them to go and say oh I'm not there yet have some feedback from the teacher or from a peer go back and try again and bump it up I, I want to know a bit more about the bump it up wall what what, what does that actually look because it sounds like it's something very visual um, yeah, yeah. there's lots of different ways Heather's had a great one where um, it was a narrative one and she had some narratives that the children went and checked um, I had one that was um, 2D shape and I made some examples myself mm-hmm. and the children helped me. I said, so I kind of scribbled. I said, what does this look like? Is that really great? No. And I kept making them better with their help. Oh, you should do this, you should do this. And then we put them up as a visual in the classroom and they can go and look themselves against their work. Do I want some feedback? And I had a great talk with Heather's children who talked about going back three or four times to improve their work, which is what I'm working on now with the year twos. It's okay to go back and try again. Yeah. Are you really happy with that? No. Okay, go and try again. Peter and I were having a bit of a chat before um, uh, having a look around the classroom, Sarah, and we were talking about the fact that um, the introduction of the framework has actually caused not just a kind of a way to go, how does the, um, the living, learning, leading framework kind of enhance or sit in tandem with the teaching that's already done, but actually kind of going back and reviewing current pedagogies and saying, hang on a second, is this really working? Is this something that we should definitely be keeping? Where's the good bits? So it's actually causing a, a kind of like a review of of all teaching practices. Yes, yeah, I see you nodding. Yeah, I agree. And we've, we've just been enhanced. We've just started on a solo taxonomy journey where the children are going from a surface learning to a deep learning to a transfer learning, which is about being able to, you know, as Heather was saying, having the knowledge and the skills, then being able to apply that to a new situation is what we're really on about. Mm. You know, being able to draw back on that surface learning to transfer it to something else. And that's what the continuous is doing as well. I definitely feel like this has their best interests at heart. It's not about reaching, you know, data met benchmarks. It's about empowering young children to believe in themselves and to achieve, you know, to, to take on challenges and know that they're supported. Minnie and Leo are from Sarah's Year 2 class, and Ilya, Hudson and Olivia are three of Heather's Year 6s. The reason that I've come along here today is I was recently here and I was talking to both of your teachers about this new thing called the Living Learning Leading Framework. I was walking around and I saw it. It's in all the classrooms. Now, you guys, uh, Leo and Minnie, you guys are both in Year 2 at the moment. Can you talk me, Leo, through a little bit about the kind of things that you've done at the moment in class? Class to have a look at that. Can you think of the, the first thing that comes to your mind? Maths. Maths, okay. Talk to me about how you've looked at it through maths. We've learnt that sometimes we can't do things and then after we can. I mean, has there been any moment where you've had this idea of looking at something where you've gone, you know what, I'm not going to be good at that just yet, but I will in time. Has that has happened for you? Can you talk to me about one of those moments? Um... We had our sheets of 
two of them and on the um, second one um, so I kept on writing them out and we had these highlighters to tick or highlight them um, and I did mainly most of them but one I didn't think I um, did I think it was um, for an example like a book um, who wrote it and why did they write it I didn't think I accomplished that yet so I didn't highlight that one and so then what's your process going to be going forward with that do you think um i think i'm probably once i read a bit more books i'm gonna probably see at the back because sometimes they have like the picture of themselves and the information about themselves i'm gonna probably see if that happens and read that so i can see why they wrote that book okay that's fantastic now, there's, a, there's this bit right in the middle of this chart here, and it says thriving people, capable learners, leaders for the world God desires. All of this stuff together, the whole chart, everything in it and all the work is ultimately supposed to be leading towards this idea. When you see that phrase there, what do you think that kind of person is? A thriving person, a capable learner, a leader for the world God desires. Can you describe what that person might be like, the sort of things that they would do, the sort of things that they would know, and the sort of way that they were in the world? What do you think, Penny? What are your thoughts on that? There's no right or wrong answer to this question. It's just what you think. Um, I think they would be a person that always been themselves and thinks that just because they think another person is cool, they don't be them, they be themselves and maybe by doing their actions they might think that the better way they took the right path to be themselves and they turned out that, what was the word again? A good thing to do. Good thing to do. Now, I want to talk through the sort of stuff that you guys have been doing in your class around this thing, the living, learning, leading framework. To start with, guys, like um, Ilya, we'll start with you. What do you think this is? Well, I think when Neil McGoran, I think when he wrote the letter or made it, he wanted us, as it says on the thing, thriving people, capable learners, and leaders that the world does, leaders that the world, the God desires. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? It's a, it's a, it's a great phrase. It sounds yeah, great. I, yeah, I think it sounds good as well. But what does it mean? I think this when when you see this person in, in person, you'll think that they're in my head. I think they're a very confident person, and they don't like they're nice. They're still confident, but nice at the same time, and they can work through things in a productive way. Mm-hmm. So they're capable, lear- uh, capable learners and thriving people. So thrive. They want to do it. They want to learn. They want to learn new things. They, when they do it, they love doing it. That's what I think. Okay. When I when that pop when those words pop into my head, <laughs> that's what I think of. That's awesome. Now Hudson, you've been looking into this stuff. You knew I was going to come in today and be asking you about some stuff. You've made all of these notes. Tell me what's in them. So what I've done is I've taken all their key capabilities and broken them down. So I've done what we. So there's like stages of how we progress mm-hmm. i've taken one that we do really well what's that one um so let's say for the moral compassionate and ecologically aware right. for let's say ecologically aware we care for nature we provide help for let's say organizations that care for the nature and there's one in there that i found really interesting was Laudato C, and we focus on that a lot and it says 
care for our common home. Can you describe, for people who don't know what Laudato Si is, it sounds just like a very clever set of Latin words, what is Laudato Si and why is it important? So Laudato Si was written by Pope Francis, who wanted to let us know that our world is in trouble, we need to do something about it, otherwise we could possibly not live here anymore. Um, so we've basically shown it to other classes, think what they want to do to help the world, what they think um, Pope Francis is right about, and what things could we do to help the environment. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how you have found working with this idea of these new key capabilities and the continuer that goes with it. How's it actually helped you as a student grow? So it's helped me because like where the stage, like different stages are. Mm -hmm. So we, we all start at one stage and then we progress along and basically, as it says, thrive. Mm -hmm. So as we go along each stage, we thrive as a learner, um, a leader and a capable learner to be able to do tasks that come upon us. Okay. So of all of those things that you've kind of learnt and done all along the way, all of these amazing notes you've taken, all the work you've done, is there any one thing in particular that stuck with it? You've gone, you know what, that's actually fascinating. And that really is something that I'm going to look forward to learning more about and getting more of an understanding into the future. So the one that found me was what you said before, is the intercultural and globally minded because we did, we did, as a class, we each got a key capability and we worked on it and did a circle if we've done it really well and we go why and then ones that we did the lowest on, we do why they're the lowest and that one was our lowest, which I'm fascinated by. Mm -hmm. So we've done, so my group did that, um, that one for the second time, circles ones we do really well and circles one we didn't and elaborate why and how can we improve it to be one of our highest ones. Olivia, did you do that activity as well? That one where you had to, you're in the groups and you had to work out where you were on the continua with each of those ones? Yeah, we did the activity, but we just each got different parts, different key capabilities. So of all the work that you've done with it for you, like what to you has been the most interesting thing that you've looked into so far? The most interesting thing of the whole thing was when we were focusing on the intercultural and global minded because we weren't really talking or saying or learning more about ourselves. So we were probably the lowest in that one. Mm -hmm. We haven't really looked at our culture. Like me personally, I haven't looked. I know where my family, my grandparents are from and that, mm -hmm. but we haven't really looked into more. Has like exploring this made you want to learn more about that? Definitely. Yeah. Is part of this too, this whole idea of uh, intercultural and globally minded, is it just about you though? Is it just about your family or is it about something it's broader? also learning about other people. So Hudson's from somewhere else, Italy. So it's like we can also learn something else about Italy. And what's been the most interesting thing you've learned getting into this whole area of the intercultural and globally minded? Most interesting thing is how, where we're at, not personally, but like as a group, where we think we're at, because it's not just Heather's group job to go, a teacher to go, oh, you're, you're, you're like not far up, but it's actually, she's given it to us and we've gone, you decide where you are at, not I decide where you're at. Fantastic. So you guys sound like you're already fairly well down the road in looking at a lot of this stuff. Okay, I'm going to ask you for a big favour here, okay? For the students who are going to be in your position who haven't yet really started looking at this stuff yet, would you be willing to give them 
like the biggest piece of advice that you would like to give now that you guys are veterans of the living learning leading framework you've known a lot about it what would you like to tell students who are going to get started working on all this stuff um but um maybe a little bit nervous not quite sure what to expect what do you what would you say olivia just be prepared for being low in some areas and being high and not being that not being the same as everyone else. So not to worry about that then if that's not the case. Not to worry, just you are not going to be good in some areas, not everyone's perfect. So you are going to be higher in some areas than others. Okay. How about for you, Hudson? Let's say if someone gets like a very low one, your, your job's not done. You've got to continue to progress. And if let's say one of your high ones, you don't just stop there, you continue on progressing and thriving to aim higher. How about you, Elia? What do you reckon? I think as what our teacher Heather has said, when you're low, that's a good thing because that helps you to thrive and be better at the, let's say for us, intercultural and globally minded. For us, that wasn't our best one, but we took that in. We were like, well, in our second lesson, after we did what Olivia said, we were like, well, if we can't do good in this, what can we do to make it higher? Because it's not just getting to the top bit and yeah, oh yeah, now I'm, I'm perfect. It's get to keep on going, keep on learning more about the seven different key, key capabilities. That's what that's what Heather told us. And I think that is very, very true because some people might lie, you know? You, 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 wanna, you wanna be truthful. You don't wanna just be good. You want to know that you're good. Thanks so much to the staff and students of Tennyson Woods Catholic School for making me so welcome and for their time and incredible insights. Now, that brings us to the end of Season 1 of the Living Learning Leading Podcast. If you haven't heard all the episodes yet for this series, we have five others that are available wherever you're listening to this one right now, and they feature some great insights uh, into how and why the framework was introduced, how schools have begun to bring Living Learning Leading into their individual school contexts, and later in the series, more of the voices of the students and their experience with it so far. Season two will begin in early 2021, and there's gonna be a real focus next year on the students themselves and what role living, learning, leading is taking as part of their educational journey. Be sure you're subscribed to get those episodes as soon as they're released. The Living, Learning, Leading podcast is produced by me, James Meston, for ArchD Radio and Podcasting in partnership with Catholic Education SA. For full music credits for this episode, please check the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast and listened to all the episodes already and looking for something else, I think you'll also really like the School Life podcast where we visit South Australian Catholic primary and secondary schools and explore the different aspects of school life from the students' point of view. I'll put a link to that in our show notes too. Thanks for listening in 2020. I'll see you early next year with a new Living Learning Leading episode.